are listening to the Moody Girl Podcast with me, Emily Fazer. Throughout this series, we're going to be opening the minds of experts and delving into the world of alternative healing methods. Before we start the episode today, I wanted to ask all of you listeners a question. Did you know that a lot of people are living with lower than recommended magnesium levels? I didn't know this either and had never explored incorporating magnesium into my daily life until I started having skin issues. I now use Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray when I get out of the shower in the morning and spray onto my feet before I go to bed. I found that when I had psoriasis and hormonal breakouts on my face or body, I would spray it on and at first it really stung. But this was a sign from my body that my cellular magnesium levels were low. The more I got the magnesium into my system daily, the less it stung. It made sense. If you're feeling like you could benefit from having magnesium in your life, I would strongly recommend looking into using Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray. Link to purchase is in the bio. Now, let's get to the episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Moody Girl Podcast. If you're enjoying the episodes, please do like, share and subscribe along with giving a five-star review. It really helps to get the episodes to reach a wider audience. This week, I'm speaking to Josephine Kay, a rapid transformational therapist who describes how hitting rock bottom on a regular basis with PMDD and self-harm led her to look for alternative healing options. RTT is basically hypnotherapy on steroids. The two are very similar in that they both utilize a hypnotic state to achieve healing but RTT uses multiple best practices of various other therapeutic approaches, including hypnotherapy, to achieve faster, more effective results in just one session. In this conversation, Josephine explains how much her quality of life has changed from RTT and finishes the episode with a guided RTT session for you all to try at home. Let's get to the episode. So welcome to the Moody Girl podcast today, Josephine. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. Yay! So- Me too. Um, so, I mean, a lot of your work um, I'm super interested in. I feel like there's multifaceted. You've got loads of different kind of strings to it, which I think is going to promote a really interesting discussion for us and hopefully the listeners today. Um so I know on your account, when I first um, found it on Instagram, it seems like you've had to, you know, navigate your life through quite a lot of different things. So you touch on autism, you talk about ADHD, PMDD. Um, can you tell us in the audience, you know, how that was for you, like as a child? Um, and when did you get diagnosis for all of these? Okay. I need to like almost do a disclaimer of like, I try and make this like an entertaining story because otherwise it's just a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stand up, sir. So I I think it's an interesting, but a very like common case. Again, I just want to like straight up acknowledge that I have a very privileged background. Like my parents are still married, grew up in a nice home in a nice town. Like I went to private school. Um, so, but I think that's interesting because that, almost made me feel terrible about like what happened so I first started feeling like very sad at the around the age of 11 I remember I think we came down to Brighton on a family trip and I remember just like 
you know, it's that weird, 11's weird anyway, but I'm just looking at the scene being like, I don't feel anything, but it's new then. And I didn't, I don't think use the internet enough to suddenly like have all the labels that like the current 11 year olds do have kind of grateful. I was like, okay, this is weird. And then when I started my period, that's when things really kicked off. But I didn't clock that because like, I definitely come, our families, we've got quite like a culture of silence in our family, just because no one's ever taught us how to talk about anything. Like I've now spoken to everyone in my family about this. They're like, yeah, we never spoke about periods or anything at all. And some weird things were going on. (laughs) So I remember when I was 13, I was like I didn't feel anything for three months and it was really really odd however I think it was so what was that 13 years ago I'm 26 now and it's so interesting how much everything's changed because like when we were what in year six that's when Britney Spears had her meltdown which can be either seen as pop culture but when you're 10 you're going okay that lady was very sad and she had like a mental breakdown as it was called then and now everyone hates her her, she was shamed and ridiculed and like Lindsay Lohan, like we were in our like little magazines, we'd get like Go Girl. They'd even mention it there. And it was like, if like these mad women are ostracized. So early on, you've got that subconscious messaging of like, if you've got mental breakdowns, you didn't even talk about mental health then, you're not safe. So it took me until I was 17 to actually talk about mental health, like my own like depression, anxiety and everything, which I get at the time identified with. Now I'm like, oh, I was having a depressive reaction, an anxious reaction. Um, Like I don't own that. Like we don't own a sneeze, for example. Um, But yeah, so during like my teenage years, it was the classic case of like troubled teen, classic case of undiagnosed autistic teenager, Mm -hmm. very creative, dressing in a really fun way, self-harming every night at 10.30 PM on the dot, like being funky about food, but also there was that codependent element as well of like, oh, I'm not going to talk about my mental health, but like, I'm going to try and save other people. Like I was the friend people would come to, which I liked it. Like I still obviously do. I still like being that person, but obviously with no boundaries. And I, this is like, against like autistic, so honest. I had this, I think this mentality of if I save enough people, someone's going to come and save me because I didn't have that understanding or knowledge that like it has to come from me so I remember like people would come to me and like help them throw it and you know there's really intense like texting conversations you'd have when you're a teenager of, like I'm gonna kill myself and you'd be like dad like please don't hurt yourself tonight but all these people were getting better and I was still stuck and just like wait like how guys like how are these how are these people around me having these depressive episodes but now they're growing and expanding out of them. And again, like that's the PMDD piece. Like I was just having two weeks fine every month and then dying. But because no one spoke about periods, periods were presented as annoying, only to do with having babies, nothing else. There was nothing really there. I don't know how to give short answers, but we can cut this down. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I mean, it's it's fascinating hearing your story. Carry on. And then when I, and again, like big into Tumblr, that was a big piece of this as well. So I didn't talk to anyone about my mental health, but I rinsed Tumblr. And that was like my mental health resource. Unfortunately, at the time, again, the mental health conversation is still archaic now, but it was even worse then because there was almost this chokehold. And I really believed this, that 
depression, anxiety, all the rest of it could all be mag- magically cured when you take one like antidepressant. Because all we had was Prozac Nation, Girl Interrupted, and girls on Tumblr who were also very unwell. There was like all the eat like eating disorder blogs. What's her name? Felice Fawn. Oh, I'm always obsessed with that girl. Just because you're like, you don't have any representation. And the only representation you have is from the slightly older girls who were just bleeding their hearts out online all day, every day. And then you had like the gifts of the pill. Oh, it's just a mess. So I, I think when I was 17, was at a point where I was like, I think I'm ready to tap out now. Like, I can't do this anymore. I was so sad. And I'd started reading about bipolar on Tumblr. And there was this girl called Schmeggy. Um, <laughs> these girls are like my old hyperfixations. <laughs> and she experienced bipolar and she'd talk about it loads. And I was like, oh my God, she's having these big ups and these big downs. She's experiencing like these big mood shifts for extended two week periods of time. Okay, like I really relate with this. And I remember I was doing, I just started studying textiles, which I now know is like an extreme form of stimming. You've got the sounds, you've got the processes, like, mm. so it made me feel really good. And I think looking back at now, I just started doing textiles and it was all like embroidery, um, felting, like super, like just stimulating and self-regulating. So I was immediately obsessed with it. I could bring in all my hyper fixations, all my interests, and like just make art about them. And I was really, really good at it. So I was getting like praise, so it was amazing. But that definitely did put me into a manic state. I remember every day I'd stay at school until 9 p.m. just like making and putting things together. I think I'd finally found a way to like chill out, but it just mm-hmm. went like to the extreme. Cause again, quite an extreme person. Um, and I remember I was making like, as we all do, like a response to the Alexander McQueen, like spray paint dress. And I was like, writing, writing, writing everything about it. And I was like, this is quite intense. So eventually turned around to my mom and dad and was like, I don't know how I did it because I used to hate speaking about these things. Like talking about periods made me feel sick. Like I used to go to school. I'd never had pads or tampons or anything. And I'd have to go to sister and I'd be like, I don't have to do this. <laughs> so I don't even remember how I did it, but I eventually asked for help. I love my mum and dad so much. I had no idea what to do. No one did. Like, it's 2014. No one knows what to do. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, we knew there was something wrong. But us as parents are told it's just a phase. It's something they're going through. All teenagers are grumpy. I thought this as well. I thought when I woke up on my 18th birthday, I'd be fine. So I felt like, like, wish I hated being a teenager. I was like, I can't wait to be 18 because then I'll be all good. So... My parents, again, like privileged background, they were like, right, we tried to do the cams route. That was just a lot of panic attacks in waiting rooms. It was so weird. It was really weird. Um, Mm. A lot of like going to talk to people in like the kids' wards. And it was just, it was all wrong and incorrect. And then we were like, okay. Then they were like, right, we can refer you to like go private. So we were like, okay, we'll go private. Like, it's going to be really good. So we're going to go to the Priory. Like, this is who everyone uses. Like, great, cool. Let's go. Let's go for it. And then, so I was, like, convinced that I was bipolar. So we go in and then we sit down and we talk to this guy. And he's like, yeah, okay. Like, I've heard of your symptoms. Like, have you heard of bipolar disorder? <laughs> I lied and was like, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> he was like, okay, so people with bipolar, like, they never recover. I've had three clients who've killed themselves. Here's how they've killed themselves. They have bipolar. You have bipolar too. He's basically going, here's your death sentence. It was awful. It was oh my really God. Weird. I know. Yeah. 
yeah, this woman thought that she could run really fast. So she tried to run as fast as a train and got hit. What? To mm. like a 17 year old, mm. like pink hair and just really malnourished and like quite sad. Yeah. Just like, what? And then he was like, right. So, and the first thing they did was like, so we're going to put you on drugs. And obviously in my brain, I'm like, oh my God, yes. Like, well interrupted, Prozac Nation. Like, here we go. I'm going to be fine tomorrow morning. And they were like, we're going to give you something called Lamotrigine. <laughs> and then we're going to give you some other things as well. And then we'd go back and we'd see him every two weeks. And you're expecting to feel better. Mm-hmm. I was just feeling a lot worse. Like, I lost my mind. I don't really remember much of this time either. But I remember every time we met and met this guy, I'd be like screaming in the car, like so upset. And then we'd get in there. No, but they're not working. He's like, okay, we'll bump them up. We'll bump them up. So that when I was, yeah, 17 still, I was taking like the maximum legal dose of this drug called lamotrigine, which if you're on lamotrigine and it works for you, like brilliant. But I wasn't really told what black box means. Like it's very hard to come off of. What what did it make you feel like when you were on it? Like a bug. (laughs) Not, Not normal. Like I still was having like the self-harm urges every day and my emotions were really erratic. And it also, those put on something called like quetiapine. I'd have to take naps at school. Mm. But it's just a mess. Like I was self-harming at lunchtime. I didn't have any friends because I cut everyone out. Wow. It was just a shit show. And then towards the end of, and again, like with the textiles thing, you can tell this is still like a bit like, I say dear in my heart, but I really cared about this textiles thing. I was really good at it and they're like yeah like you can go to like really good art schools like this is going to be so good this is at the beginning before I got drugged like that's what it is yeah um not pill shaming but for me it was a very negative experience because it was a misdiagnosis I do need to caveat that when I was being like assessed by that psychiatrist not once did they mention menstrual cycles not once did they go oh, you're like a, you're a kooky teen. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's ADHD, maybe it's autism. I remember I said to a teacher, I was like, I think I might experience ADHD. Oh, you're not ADHD. Mm. No, said the girl in our year that was really ADHD. She's ADHD, you're not. So Mm. it seems like I was onto it. Yeah, 100%. I always say that as well. Like growing up, um, I'm a bit older than you, I'm 33. um, But I mean, there was no... I didn't know one girl that had ADHD. Like in primary school, it was always the boys. High school, always the boys. Um, And it's only now, even in my early 30s, where I've got friends who are like, I think I might have ADHD. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. And But then it's also weird because it's like, it brings this, for me anyway, it brings this anxiety where you're like, am I jumping on a bandwagon? But like, it's something that has been, you know, plaguing my life um and I'm beating myself up for situations where I don't have enough concentration or I find you know the the kind of normal mundane tasks of every day really really hard um so yeah so I mean you went through all of you know that misdiagnosis and then where what brought you to actually finding out that you had PMDD so we jump cut, go to a psych ward, try to go for medication, doesn't work. Have, I'm just stuck on this lamotrigine stuff. Yeah. And eventually detox myself off. It took six months. I wasn't a human being. Like I was doing cleaning jobs and I couldn't even speak to the people whose houses I was cleaning. Wow. And then for like 
was eventually like just getting my brain clear of all these like toxins sorry mm-hmm. um and then what was it it was lockdown and then I was in a relationship god bless that relationship not the best one again classic autistic girls we we believe the wrong people like we love the wrong men mm-hmm. um, but what was really interesting was like half of the month I could tolerate it like I could tolerate the scenario like could tolerate what was going on between us like it was fine and then the other half losing my shit I would get so angry so rageful this like demon rage where I was like and this is in my luteal phase the phase of our cycle where the truth serum comes out absolutely absolutely it's like a good thing like every month my body was trying to save my ass and get me out of that situation and get me to like believe in myself again yeah I'd realized it wasn't bipolar since I came off the medication, but I didn't know what the problem was. Like, why am I going crazy every month? Why is my life just trash compared to what I wanted it to be and other people around me? And um, yeah, so like, I'll openly admit this because I didn't value or love myself very much. I thought I was broken. I bought into like the chemical imbalance theory that was never proven and is not like very <laughs> Sorry, yeah, everyone. It- yeah (laughs) my brain's broken like I wish I could just have another brain like (laughs) and then yeah so like the guy that I was the man that I was with um he was like just why why is this happening so I started looking into it straight out I just wanted to be a better girlfriend like I was so indoctrinated into this situation that I was like I just need to be a better girlfriend for him like (laughs) 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 so I was on Instagram of all places um, and someone was posting about premenstrual dysphoria and I was reading it and I was like, oh my God, like, no way. (laughs) This is definitely what I'm experiencing. And at the time it had only, I think it got put into the DSM, which is like its own conversation in 2014. And do you know what? I got learned this so recently. Um, The company that makes Prozac they were like they'd lo- they were they were down on you can tell I get excited they were down on Prozac sales so they're like what are we gonna do let's acknowledge that women some women experience severe dysphoria around their periods let's repackage the Prozac we're gonna put it in a pink and a purple pill do this whole advertising campaign and be like guys PMDD is a thing like come and get your Prozac but we've given uh, it a different uh, what instead uh, of going some people experience severe dysphoria around their periods learn about your cycle learn about where you may actually have hormonal disbalances before anyone has a panic I understand it's nothing to do with hormonal imbalances it's because you cannot process your hormones why don't you understand the emotional like none of that just put a plaster on it anyway Mm -hmm. so and I was already like I didn't how do we say this in like an acceptable way I wasn't like I think I was disenchanted from the Western pharmaceutical approach. So I didn't run to get the validation of my GP. What I did do, because I didn't sign up for a GP because I just moved to Brighton. I went on IAPMD.org. Yes. Yes, it's amazing. So good. And in their resources, they were like, we've got a list of GPs, medical providers that recognize PMDD. So I signed up to that GP, had my phone appointment. And I was like, I'm ringing to tell you that I'm experiencing PMDD. I just need you to confirm it in like two minutes. They're like, yeah, okay, well, that's you. So I was like, right, I finally got the answer. Like it's PMDD. I talk about on my Instagram stories all the time, like learning everything possible. And then I remember 
but the, like, I didn't love myself at all at the time but I knew that, again like I need to be a better girlfriend like I need to fix this I need to do it for him like <laughs> yes like whatever gets you to do it but then I went on Amazon because again there's no information I googled it and they were like so what you can do is take birth control or the pill I mean, or um, sertraline. And I was like, I'm not going to do either of those because I've already had bad experiences, which I'm kind of grateful for. So instead, and again, like ADHD and autism hadn't entered the chat for like another year at least. So I was like, right, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to learn everything there is about the womb. Ordered every single book off Amazon. Thanks, mum. I didn't pay for those. Thanks, Louise. (laughs) (laughs) About MDD. And I got like the basic books, like, uh, where is it? Like the PMDD phenomenon. Yeah, got that one. It's a good, it's a goodie. The game changer was two books, which genuinely happened to be here. One was Womb Awakening by Sarah Bertrand. This is a 500 page Bible. Wow. Explaining everything there is about periods and like the cycle and like what our womb actually means from like stuff about actual babies to like yep like your womb is your creative base mm-hmm. that's where your intuition is everyone talks about gut feelings it's a womb like sensation a womb feeling but it's mm. brilliant at the beginning of like so good at the beginning of the book they're like just flip it and you're going to open it on what you need to read so I flipped it and opened it and they were like it was this thing about the trickster which is all about like essentially people men in your life that like present one way but actually they're here to like teach you lessons but also like they need to go so this book like saved my life but then also really helped me to actually understand what this whole womb situation was Mm. and I think opened me up to it not just being like the fact that my body doesn't tolerate progesterone or allopregesterone very well and then, then it got exciting and then it got good. So I was like going down that route. And then, yeah, we were saying at the beginning about Natalie Ryan Herbert. I discovered yeah. her and I was like, okay. like, Because I think a lot of, my dad said this, he's like, a lot of people realise they have these issues and they just let it kill them. But apart, mm-hmm. maybe it's like the question everything, like EA games challenge everything. I love playing The Sims. That clearly got into my subconscious. Yeah. I, was like, I, can't, I can't do, I have to get better. Like I, or in I can't do this forever. I'm I I will not make it. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I had a meeting with her, and we didn't like have that like hitting it off connection. So I was like, okay, fine. But like obviously respect what she does. She's great, Natalie. Like you're changing lives. We love you. Like the OG, great. Thank you so much. And like in my RTT training, thank you for your like talk that you did. So I was like, right, okay, what am I going to do? Let's find someone else who does this rapid transformational therapy, and found a lady in Brighton called Sally Garozo. And my, I still didn't know a lot. I was like, well, she talks about menopause, so she knows enough. So we did a, I had a session with her and it changed everything. Wow. I'd got being like, oh, the PMDD is there, like for these reasons that we're told. Um, I like profitable science. <laughs> but I think it's just in, I think I will say with that almost like, I think the reason that people aren't pushed to actually look at the emotional root causes because you can't patent emotions, you can't patent the subconscious, you can't patent breath work, you can't patent nutrition. The only thing that you can patent and profit off is like petrochemicals. Mm-hmm. And this is a thing like, oh, like I hate these people, it's more, I really truly feel like we deserve as people with wombs to know all of the options available to us. 
if you want to put a plaster on it and come back to it later, go for it, do that. Mm -hmm. But just because a big corporation can't profit off of you, like seed cycling, for example, doesn't mean it shouldn't be inaccessible. Yeah, totally. I think the thing is, which I found as well, like I went down a similar sort of path where I was, I went pharmaceutical for about five years with it. And I went to Mm -hmm. Chelsea and Westminster PMS clinic and they were like, which was like, it was, yeah, it was amazing. At that point, it was like a beacon of light. I was like, finally, I found my my place. I can go and speak to a doctor and they're acknowledging like what PMDD is. So there were some really amazing doctors that were doing really good work. But you know, at that point in time, I went on, there was like, I think five different stages of your like recovery or trying to manage it. And I think I went up to like the third stage, which was HRT, the transdermal gels. And so I did that for five years. I wanted a hysterectomy. I wanted a hysterectomy so bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. After that, it was chemical menopause with the injection. And then it was a full-on hysterectomy. And then I was in this, like, PMDD support group on Facebook. I started Moody Girl and started, like, put your put Weren't Facebook groups, like, all we had? I know, literally, (laughs) but it was really heavy as well. Like a lot of like suicidal ideation, um, a lot of, you know, management of people who were really, really struggling. And so it felt like a really heavy community to be in. Um, And so, yeah. And I mean, I was on that for five years and I fully believed that it changed my life. And it was only in like 2020 when my husband was like, Emily, actually, I can't really tell the difference when you're off HRT and when you're on it. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just decided to start weaning myself off it during the lockdown. Cause I was like, it's now or never basically. And like, I don't really want to be having these transdermal gels. I had to go to London to go for, you know, catch ups and, you know, it was, it served a purpose for me at that time, but, you know, I'm now drug free and, you know, I still experience it. That's the thing. So I'm very interested in RTC and the work that you're doing, because if I could kind of find, if you, can you explain more about like where your root cause was, where was it stemming from? Do you know that answer for like your PMDD? Yes. Okay. So caveat. Super nanny is to blame for this, not <laughs> Louise, my mum. Okay. <laughs> so when I was okay, how do we prefer this in a way that makes sense? I get so excited that my brain's like <laughs> um so when I was small, I was the oldest child in the family, and I have a younger sister who I love very much. None of our family is diagnosed neurodivergent. We have a very neurodivergent family. So there was a lot of outbursts and a lot of overwhelm and a lot of shutdown is how I can now understand it. But so when I was small, I'd get overwhelmed and then I'd have tantrums and screen cry. And then what my mum had been taught by like TV, like Super Nanny, all these parenting books, like the leave it method. So you get the child, you lock them in a room you keep them there and they're going to cry it out and then they're going to stop and then it's going to be fine. I think under the caveat of you're teaching a child that it's not okay to have these big reactions and they're going to sort themselves out. Oh, so I can still see that bloody carpet. I'd get really upset. And obviously in those moments, all you want is your parent to just be like, look, something's clearly gone a bit wrong. Let's have a cuddle. Let's sort it out. But again, like I 
my family's very neurodivergent. We do what we're told, you know? So if someone's going to, no, that's not right. You should do this. Of course, your mom who wants to do the best for their child's going to be like, okay, well, in the playroom you go. <laughs> and obviously she was probably overwhelmed. There was two of us. Mm-hmm. My dad worked so hard, so he was never at home. It was She was essentially like a paid for, but single parent trying to deal with two. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but like neurodivergent kids, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'd get put in this playroom and then it even says in like this womb awakening book, when you do that to a child, you're, they don't learn, oh, crying makes me be by myself. They feel disconnected from the family unit and they just emotionally divorce from themselves. So then when we went into the RTT session and oh, Sally was brilliant. I come in and I'm like, I'm being abused. I'm self-harming. I smoke weed, like all this, the PMDD is also there. Like, please help me. And she just navigates it like a don. And um, so we went in and like the the first scene, oh, she was like, so you get put into hypnosis, then you get taken and you do like deepeners and you're like putting your arms and there's magnets and like you're feeling it. And at first you're like, what the hell? But it just feels so nice. So in hypnosis is a state where you're super relaxed, super focused. The hypnotherapist's job is to control the context of your focus. So she then took me back and you go back to three scenes all to do with where your issue came from. Wow. And one of the scenes was, she's like, right, where are you? Inside or outside? I'm inside. Is it daytime or nighttime? Oh, it's daytime. Who are you with? No one. I'm alone. Okay, tell me what it is that you're seeing, feeling, hearing, and experiencing. So for, from the hypnotherapist's view, you're mining for feelings. Where they are doesn't actually matter. But obviously for me, it's like, okay. And you're in this memory. You're not like re-experiencing it, but like you're in it. But from a place of, you're not feeling those feelings you're just really relaxed like this is why it's so powerful because you can review really tough I mean I've looked at some tough scenes in hypnotherapy I've done a lot of it but you're calm and just going yeah this is happening right now let's explore so I was in this playroom and I could feel like how upset that I that version of me was and this is when I was almost like really sold on hypnotherapy she goes what are you feeling I'm like oh my god like I can feel like this bang on my head And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I've just smashed my head against the door. And I could feel the sensation of it. Wow. Like that on my head when I was, what, four years old? Wow. How interesting. And then we go back to, so there was like all that, like the loneliness piece, the abandonment piece, and also like my emotional needs are not getting met right now. And then we went to another scene where like I'd literally just been born and I could feel like the anxiety. Because again, like my dad wasn't there because he was, I love this story. My dad was like coming from work. I was born really quickly. And my dad like runs in and he had like ice because he was told to bring ice. But I'd already been born by that point. But I think in the memory, I was remembering the anxiety naturally of my mum like, where is he? (laughs) (laughs) He's been born very quickly. Um, So we like identified that, and then you do another thing called role, function, purpose, and intent. You can tell I'm ADHD because I'm telling you like every detail. I'm so sorry. No, love it. It's great. <laughs> you do something called role, function, purpose, and intention. So it's like right now, turn your eyes inwards and you're going to find the part of you that came up with the PMDD. Come that PMDD right now and go. And then you go, I'm the part of Josephine that came up with the PMDD. And the reason that I did that was because I wanted to get her emotional needs met right. So, and the reason I had to do this was because they weren't being met. So mm-hmm. for me, the PM, because I was like, ah, I'd go from like so passive, like my natural reaction with emotions is to internalize and keep it in. Like I'll starve myself out. I'll take it out of myself. I'm not going to be like, uh, she really upset me or I feel a bit sad. That's changed now. But um, 
so the PMDD was trying to like shake me out of that and be like, no, like get these emotions out. You know what? I'm going to force them out of you. I'm going to make you unable to process progesterone and allopregesterone. I'm going to make it so that your body is such a toxic place around the time of your period, which because we all say, oh, power of the mind, your body's so intelligent. But then we kind of like, don't take it further than that. The power yes, of the true. mind, guys. Mm-hmm. The subconscious mind is running 95% of us. It's trying to take us from pain to pleasure, but it's very literal. I feel like it's a bit autistic. It takes things very literally. So it's going, right, okay, so she wants to get emotional needs met. Well, I know that I can do this, and then they'll get met. And as soon as you have that realisation, and you're like, oh, my God, then you're asked, right, do you want to put this down? Do you want to release the PMDD? Can you meet that need instead of your body having to create a set of symptoms and issues and what we like in the Western world see as disorders? Do you want to meet this instead? And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, hundred percent. Like that's not, I cannot do another month of this. Like it's exhausting. We're living half the month. I know. Yeah. Like, um, so then you get the choice to like release it. And I do that with like a release. It's brilliant. You and people are like, I could feel it leaving my body. And you're like, yes, because that's how powerful words are. Like you can just use these suggestions to release it. And then you do extra bits where you're like looking with your inner child, or maybe this is where RTT is unique. In normal hypnotherapy, it's visualization based and wordplay. Whereas the RTT, you bring in other things. So you have you're talking to your inner child. Maybe you're then going to be sat opposite your mom or your dad or like someone else in your life and you're going to speak to them what you want to say then you're going to swap places and they're going to say their piece mm. so you're just bringing yourself all that information it's so genius and there's a lot of inner child work where you're like I'm bringing my inner child into my life I'm going to look after her mm-hmm. so I feel like for so many of us especially with executive dysfunction I'm thirsty okay but drink water in a bit or like I need the bathroom well you can use the bathroom when you're done with your task fine we're going to say that to ourselves but are you going to say that to a five-year-old no way so once you've installed that five-year-old in you suddenly like you're looking after yourself Mm. so much oh it's just yeah how many sessions was that with um sally one 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 session so i saw her once and then i called her three months later because and she also like got me, I'd been like stuck in this relationship for five years, couldn't leave it, could not go. Like classic autism, narcissist like relationship. Grateful for the lessons, grateful for the like initiation. Like, but I could not leave. I go and see Sally. We don't even really, we kind of talk about it, but like, she's not a big thing, but she puts it into my transformation and audio that I love myself now and all these things. And I broke up with him three days later. Like what? that. No. Like, Way. all of that connection had just mm. been severed and I was like this is genius no more PMDD no more like so what literally it. when you say no more P- PMDD like how how many years ago was this with Sally and what do your cycles look like now oh I love this okay so I saw her in 2021 on the 8th of December yeah, that's correct. Um, and then, like, I remember I went home and I made a salad. Like, I didn't eat salad. <laughs> it's so, so wild. And then I think it took, I think a, there was some, with hypnotherapy, you have some big shifts and then you have some smaller shifts. I was looking at my stories yesterday 
and I was like oh okay so I was still talking about PMDD like a month later but it was a lot less extreme and I think the way that rapid transformation was interesting is because you get given a transformation audio at the end of everything you want and you listen to it for 30 days and that's seeding your subconscious to move you in the direction that you want to go in and I was I had an embroidery business at the time when I was like 19 to 24 I enjoy it but I don't like engaging as much anymore and it was about that and also like engaging in my cycle honoring my womb space looking at where I am in my cycle and taking action as a result so if it's the week before my period like it is now this is good thing to do because I've got that honesty the risk is I'm going to talk too much because I don't have a lot of um estrogen which means I have a lot of dopamine and then we have focus type thing but so it went from being like super suicidal to just hate like it was so awful PMDD really was just like mm a life ruiner but I forget how bad it is because mm. now like I'm on day 24 I think um and I'm not getting thoughts of just like oh you should kill yourself I'm not I don't have like self-harm urges anymore admittedly yes I did have chips for dinner it was a full moon the parasites in our body are hungry yeah but that's fine right I mean surely <laughs> you can't like surely it can't like completely take away all you know yeah. you know just okay. wanting to have some chips I think that's fine right like it is it just puts you back into like where you actually want to be it doesn't like take away the fact that we're still cyclical beings it just takes yeah. away the trauma and the emotions and the things that are coming up every month I think that's what PMDD is it's a an initiation to try and get us to come home to our bodies and learn about being cyclical, connect with the power of the wind. It's your body screaming at you every month. Mm. But it's also a case of, like for me every month, the same things came up that I'd be crying about the same things, but I wouldn't be dealing with them because I didn't know how. They'd just come up, I'd have these big reactions, my period would start and I'd be like, okay, moving on. Like, I don't know how to look at these things. Whereas with the hypnotherapy, you're looking at the things that are begging and making your life miserable and they just want to be looked at and processed and released. Mm-hmm. So then that big bag of things that's coming up every month, it's not there. There's no like wrecking ball to hit you with. So yes, like I'll still get annoyed and irritable, but that's normal. Like that's really good. It's really important that we have this time in our cycle, especially like as womb keepers, especially like as women, I try not to gender this topic too much but as people who like identify as women and live as women we're not exactly encouraged to speak our truth and speak our mind so that week before our period when we're like do you know what this is bullshit that's so important I agree a hundred percent I mean I've like lashed out at work before and like I have you know I always say PMDD or the luteal phase is like basically things that you're trying to ignore any other time in your life which you know aren't going right or you know aren't right for you or serving you the week before your period it's like shows up and it's like why are you ignoring this it's not working hello listen to me what are you doing with your life come on and in a way I actually yeah it's really made me like review it more and think like why were we made like this and and I think it is to keep a check on our lives and to review, you know, what's what's not serving us and getting it out of our lives. And so in some ways I can be thankful for the luteal phase, but of course, like I haven't had RTT yet. So can I also get Sally's surname again? How do you spell her surname for myself and listeners? 
Okay, so Sally, so she is a menopause specialist, but can literally do anything. She's genius. So it's S A L L Y, and then it's G A R O Z O Z O double Z O double Z O, and she's based in Brighton. Based in Brighton, but she does sessions on Zoom. Okay, and- great. she's brilliant she's so kind so yeah and her thing at the moment she's like she's really interested working menopause and she's like it's so frustrating how again hypnotherapy isn't number one when it comes to talking about menopause because menopause is your second spring your second adolescence anything that you've never dealt with in your life of course it's going to rear its head now it's like with the pmdd it's our body's wacky way of going hi can you look at this please and she works with people to take away the really heavy stuff so you can just have a calm menopausal experience like I'm not with the PMDD situation I'm not trying to take away from the fact we're a cyclical being I'm trying to get us to lean into it especially as neurodivergent people the cycle is this amazing foundation from which we can live our lives every month. All these people, oh, my um, my, my Vance, my Ritalin, it doesn't work the week before my period. Like, why is this? It's like, yeah, because our estrogen levels are down here. Here's how we can work with this. Your body's trying to take you within. It's not go, go, go time. It's right. Sit with yourself, get the work done that you need to get done so that by the time your bleed comes, you can really sink into that space of rest and recalibration. And that's how we like avoid this burnout that we're all now becoming aware that we're experiencing. When we rest during our bleed and when we rest during our period, we are investing in that other half of our cycle. It's so interesting. Like when you allow yourself to take as much time as you can, even if it's like meditating once during your bleed, like what 1% can you do as the red school teachers? You'll then find that when it comes to ovulation time, you're going to have more sustained energy. You're going to feel better. It's going to be less intense. Like I think as well with ADHD, ovulation time can be quite jarring because you've got Mm. energy there. And it's like, oh my God, what am I doing? So when we have that cyclical literacy piece there, we can go, right, today I feel this way, this way, and this way. Let me cross-reference with where I'm in my cycle. Ah, to be expected. Then you're removing the guilt and the shame and the, oh my God, am I going into a depressive episode again? Like whenever I used to be sad, I was terrified. I'm going to be depressed for three months. No, babe, we've got like three days. And here's how you're going to nourish yourself to reduce that experience. Like symptoms are the way that our body's just trying to have a chat with us and be like, all right, buddy, I'm going to give you a headache because it's time to rest. I'm going to make you hate your family a little bit because it's not, (laughs) to be with them be Mm -hmm. with yourself to actually get that knowledge and that wisdom that's in all of us Mm -hmm. yeah no that's incredible i just wanted to talk to you a little bit about cytoplan a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure. I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, Please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. 
So whilst whilst we're here, I wanted to also touch on, um, I'm reading more about ADHD and about the links. So people with, say, ADHD or who are on the autistic spectrum are more likely to experience PMDD as women or um, anyone identifying as women. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that because you're a neurodivergent person, you're going to feel things more strongly because that's kind of where I'm at in terms of I have, you know, autism in the family. I have siblings that are on the spectrum. Um, like your family, we have a lot of outbursts in my family. We have a lot of shutdowns. We have a lot of burnout. We have a lot of people getting really down um, and also like really big characters as well. So if you're at a dinner table with my family, like you'll know it, <laughs> you know, everyone's got something to say. Everyone's got an opinion. Um, probably someone's going to end up crying and then we're going to have a huge cuddle and then we're probably going to fight again. And then we're probably not going to talk to each other. And then we're going to be there for each other if anything happens. So it's like this, <laughs> you know, it's a whole thing. Um, and I know my sister, she goes through, you know, her own her own kind of mood fluctuations. She's younger than me, um, more like your age. Um, and yeah, and same with my brothers as well and my mum. Uh, my dad's quite level-headed, but I'm pretty sure he might be on the ADHD spectrum as well, just in terms of his like conversations and um, and then all my cousins as well. So it's like, do you... well. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day, like, do you actually, what's the purpose of getting a diagnosis for autism or ADHD? Do you need it? Number one. Okay. So, um, can I answer both of the questions? I really want to answer yeah. both of them. Is yeah, right? of course. Yeah, of course you can. With the PMDD, like I, you must have this all the time. I come up with my own theories and realizations and then I Google them because to find that someone else has like proved me right, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lateral pattern brain. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking when I first came into like the internet space, I was making self-harm content. Then I moved into PMDD because the self-harm was like, we like impacted a lot of lives, but it's too, there's so much safeguarding involved. Like it was dangerous for me, if that makes sense. So I was like, right, I'm also really passionate about this PMDD piece. That's why I studied hypnotherapy in the first place. Cause I was like, well, I don't experience it anymore. Why should anyone else come on? Um, and I feel like, yes, we're so sensitive to everything. Why would we not be more sensitive to our hormones? And I also think that PMDD is very much like a trauma response. You're having that extreme fight or flight reaction every month. Something's gone on there. And people like often say like being neurodivergent is a traumatic experience. And like, no, you're not in like Gazi or whatever. But like, I think we've moved past that understanding of trauma. It can be small stuff like just feeling really up. That's a, no, it is. It's all big. It's all big and it's all important. Like our brain doesn't know the difference. It picks up on things. And it makes sense that they've done studies and it's between 14 and 92% of people with ADHD experience premenstrual dysphoria. The reason that the two study, the two um, numbers, two statistics, I'm dyscalculeric guys, sorry, I literally can't do numbers. Um, It's because the studies are so small and so tiny, but it makes complete sense that pretty much everyone I've come across who's ADHD and or autistic really struggles because it's such an extreme state to be and we pick up on everything but also there's so much in our lives 
like there's people listening today you can probably tell there's things about my journey it's I think the bit is especially the early diagnostic thing that I'm not a hundred percent chill with I can't laugh about that the relationship fine like ha, like we can process that I understand that but I think that piece at the beginning with the misdiagnosis that still hurts um so and we all have experiences like that we've all like been bullied in weird ways and ostracized so it makes sense that you then have this extreme reaction I just do need to double down on like you don't don't do hypnotherapy with me like do it with anyone else you know I'm not saying that I just I believe so passionately that we deserve to have the knowledge that your period is a really big gift, especially for our neurodivergent brains. It gets to be our guide. It gets to be our oracle. It's what we can lean into. We love routines. We respond really well to them and we have one in our bodies. Um, And then with the diagnostic piece, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. There was this really interesting talk by Dr. James Davies, who went and interviewed the people that created the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual, which I recommend we all go and listen to. It's very insightful and and kind of gross. Like with the PMDD, why they said that was a thing. But I think for me, I find it very comforting to go, okay, I have too much focus. This morning I was drying my hair two minutes before this started, not because I don't care about Emily or Emily's time, but because I don't have a sense of time. Like it's beneficial as humans. We like to put things into boxes. So that's a benefit. I think when my mom listened to a podcast and was like, this one's talking about ADHD, no offense, but do you want to go check that out? So then I check that out. They're like, yep, it's ADHD. And I was like, just a a quick one on that. Um, How was that process? Where did you go to do that? Okay, so I saw Dr. Bowskill. So I got, again, like went private uh, NHS waitlist along and I have the like the the literal luxury of being able to be like, dad, please, can you sort this out for me? And he's like, I mean, we just need to, I need my child's life to work. Like, bloody yeah. hell, of course. Like, shout out, thank you so much. Um, so I went and saw this guy called Dr. Bowskill and then you do an initial interview. And this is what I recommend everyone does. These people, it's expensive. And these people, they're not learning about me, Josephine, the human being. They are going against tick lists. So what I did was I wrote down a timeline of my mental health, age, what I was experiencing, symptoms, which I knew that they are tick listing on the thing. Um, so I went in with my list. He was like, this, this is going to save us some time. We don't need to meander through. I can just read the timeline. Right, yeah, it does it like it could be ADHD. Then you have to fill out two quizzes, essentially, which was so boring and long. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, cool, that's that. So I think in terms of benefits, it helped me to know. But like with the autism, I then suddenly got all these autistic um, TikTok videos up. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, because initially I was like, oh my God, I think my mom and my sister are autistic. And I was the I was the person that would be like, I have so many autistic friends. Like I just really understand them. Like, like I just get autistic people. I wonder why Josephine Connectly. <laughs> <laughs> um so then again it was like another I just messaged him and I was like, Can you screen me for that as well? And then I was at the guy I was dating's house at the time and he interviewed the psychiatrist, not the ex-boyfriend. <laughs> he interviewed <laughs> me and my mum. And that was interesting because it lent into how much we mask. Because he'd be like, right, Louise, what do you think that Josephine did 
in terms of this and she'd be like oh well I think she was doing one thing which was accurate that's what I was showing and they go right Josie what about you and I'd be like mate I feel things really deeply like I know I don't move my eyebrows when I talk but I am feeling the depths of emotion on like a constant basis but you wouldn't notice because my fa- I either do big responses or like oh my god that's so sad but internally I'm like <gasps> that's so sad and I'm gonna think about it for probably the next two years because I process things really deeply <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so would you say that it is beneficial then to go because another another point which I was discussing with a friend is what if you are convinced that you've got ADHD or you're on the spectrum of autism and that has started to explain things in your head and then you go and get tested and you're not and then afterwards, you're like, fuck, I'm just shit, you know, oh. like, that's also yeah. an, another area of it. Like, what if you don't get the diagnosis and then you then you feel like really bad about yourself because you are just struggling with general life? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely hear this. I think because whenever I've realized, I just decide and I'm like, yeah, I know that's me. Like, I mm. know that's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. I think with diagnoses, what I don't agree with is you get diagnosed and they're like, right, do you want your cognitive behavioral therapy, which is only the, someone said to me, the only reason that CBT is so widespread is because they have so many metrics. That's the only reason it's the most like prescribed form of therapy, even though loads of people have like debunked it. Again, if you've had a positive experience, good for you. But like, they only, they just, a diagnosis should come with that. Yes, you're experiencing these symptoms. Here is the breadth of things you want to look at with ADHD gut dysbiosis, inflammation in the body, toxins. Here mm. are some ADHD strategies. Have you looked at taking certain supplements such as lion's mane? How about L-tyrosine so that you can actually make more proteins to make more dopamine? How about being learning about your cycle and how that's going to affect you? And again, so if someone is like, oh yeah, I think like I'm seeing so much ADHD content like mirrored back at me, I really relate with all of this and I'm nervous and I'm scared forego the diagnosis and you know if that's what you feel that you want to do and take a look at beforehand right if I really take a look at what I'm doing is there traumas in my life that I need to be addressing in like Johan Hari's new book is it Lost Focus um he's talking about how they went to a school in America where there was so much gun violence and most of the kids were experiencing ADHD symptoms because they were in fight or flight constantly giving like these eight-year-old boys Ritalin didn't do anything when they gave them hypnotherapy like different forms of like subconscious accessing therapy the ADHD disappeared and went because the body's like okay I don't need to have that response anymore like I'm really interested at the moment in like traditional Chinese medicine subconscious reprogramming like functional medicine where are these emotions stuck in my body Mm -hmm. how is that affecting me what nutritional deficiencies do I have? I was vegan for five years. I look like a ghost and no wonder I couldn't concentrate. When I cut out those harmful, for me personally, harmful foods, my focus was like, and I did an ex- experiment recently where I had a stimulant medication left over from when I was first prescribed them. So I went on it and then came off because I was like, I'm going too quickly. And then I tried it again for my, my, isn't it weird how your body remembers my heart's just on a palpitation because wow. of my palpitations. Um, and so I tried it again 
in December, like for a month, like a month. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a go. I'm not eating as much sugar anymore. Maybe I'll be able to hack it. So I was like taking the methylphenidate every day. And then I could focus really well initially. So you have that initial burst. Oh, I think, yeah, this is important. People know this. You have that initial burst of like, oh my God, I can do this. Like your dopamine's like riotous. You're getting, you're being a really good capitalist. And then by the end of the day, it's wearing off. And I was like, I don't feel like a human being. Right, can't wait till tomorrow morning to re-up. And I was doing all this research into what I'm talking about now, like the cycle. And I was getting into like the sciencey side of it as like writing it all down, putting it together. Cause I want to make like a program for everyone. And then, but as I'm finally able to read all these scientific texts, I start reading about cortisol and cortisol and how that affects our cycle and cortisol and how it affects our hormones. And then like, obviously like you're in the matrix that so you're typing so quickly. And then I'm Googling like, methylphenidate adhd medication and cortisol and they're like there's been scientific studies that this medication is going to increase the cortisol levels like we did saliva saliva tests so i'm like it was this weird moment of like this drug is allowing me to have like it's allowing me to just kick my dopamine <laughs> into mm. gear mm. So i'm able to access the information but i'm reading and learning about how especially for like womb-based hormonal bodies these drugs are going to send us on like a weird, I definitely didn't ovulate that month either, which means my body uh -huh. wasn't safe enough to host, host a child. And I was like, well, I've flown through too close to the sun. I'm going to have to come off these drugs, which was grim. Guys, taper down. Don't do what I do and just take yourself off or take yourself on in the first place. Um, but they were prescribed. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, I've had that experience. I know what that acute level of focus feels like. Mm-hmm like on week three it was just wearing off you know but again that makes sense with my cycle um and then I've been like right how can I now now I know what that like alleged standard is of like extreme focus how can I now mimic that so there's something called non-sleep deep rest which Andrew Huberman we know and love um everyone's father has <laughs> He's like popularized that boosts your dopamine immensely. I've also been looking at the supplementation route, also looking at reducing inflammation in my body. And that's making such a difference as well. Like if you take lion's mane, I feel like I'm on the stimulant medication. Yeah, I, I literally have lion's mane every day. And I swear to God, my memory is like so bad. Um, and I'll be in like meetings and I was like taking lion's mane for maybe like three months and we'd just done this big kind of site visit and at the end I just give like gave like a five minute debrief of everything we'd spoken about and re recalled every single thing that they'd said and I was, just, I was just like wow you've got a great memory and I was thinking geez like I don't think I can ever say to myself like or say out loud I've got a good memory and Lion's Mane just reacted so good but obviously you need to get like really good quality Lion's Mane otherwise it's just no point don't Okay. Yeah. No, no, exactly. <laughs> no. Um, okay. So I've had an amazing conversation with you today, Josephine. Um, I will share your socials on um, the end of this podcast, but I wondered if we could finish up on you leading a guided RTT session. So anyone who's listening, this is a hypnosis that's helped Josephine so much with dealing with her PMDD symptoms each month. Um, and you can try it at home in the comfort and just relax. Um, so take it away, Josephine. So what I recommend that we all do is we'll do like a little intro. 
With hypnosis, you are in control at all times. So all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I am saying words. It's up to you whether or not that you're receptive to those. Um, and another thing is, I think a big question comes up is like, oh, hypnotizability. Like, how do I know if I'm hypnotizable? So there is a brief, like two second exercise created by Dr. David Spiegel. He researches hypnotherapy out at Stanford University. We love him. Um, so what we do is we're going to look up behind our eyebrows, looking up, taking a breath in. And then as you're going to breathe out, keep looking up, but close your eyelids right down. And you may be feeling a flickering sensation. Perfect. I can see Emily's stunning. And then just open your eyes. And the more you feel that flickering sensation, the more hypnotizable you are. This, I think one of the reasons I feel like hypnotherapy is great for neurodivergent brains is we're so literal. We have that hyper-focus. We're so imaginative, like, we have that ability, like it's made for us. And it's a really nice reset. When you're hypnotized, um, in case anyone's like, what is that? You feel super relaxed and super calm. So you've got your like beta brainwaves, which are your normal brainwaves, alpha brainwaves, and when you're in light trance, so that's what we'll be entering into. That's where your intuition like sits and that's where you can do the subconscious reprogramming. Then we've got the theta brainwaves, which are the deep trance. That's what we, where we get to in the hypnotherapy sessions where we are replugging and reprogramming and looking at what's going on. So um, a last caveat of if you're experiencing borderline personality disorder symptoms, epilepsy or schizophrenia, I'd sit this one out just in case. Listen along, but like don't do any of the eye movements, etc. Okay, cool. So... What we're gonna do is we're gonna take a deep breath in and just allow yourself to like shake your arms, shake your hips, whatever feels good to you. And the reason we're doing this is because emotions are energy in motion. And it's important to just diffuse anything that wants to be like acknowledged in the scene. Just, just give yourself a little shake and then just bring it down and allow yourself to take a deep breath in and release and letting go and something i like to do is take two breaths in through the nose filling your body with air and breathe out of a straw how's that for a reset so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look up all the way up behind our eyebrows and take a deep breath in Filling your tummy and then your lungs with air and breathe out, keeping your eyeballs up as you take another deep breath in and breathe out, releasing and letting go and breathing in again, keeping your eyeballs up. And as you breathe out now, just close your eyelids down, right down, releasing any resistance and letting go, taking another deep breath in. Using your breath as the connection, breath as a medicine, breathing out. As soon as you breathe out right now, your eyelids shutting even further, the muscles and nerves in and around your eyes. They're becoming heavy, droopy, drowsy. And your eyelids are starting to feel as if they've been glued shut, sealed shut, locked tight, feeling safe. 
feeling supported, feeling that sense of relaxation developing within your body. And you'll find that the harder you try to open your eyes, the more they feel glued shut, sealed shut, locked together. So, knowing you're doing wonderfully, you're doing perfectly, just allowing what's going to happen to happen. Just forget all about your eyes and allow a drifting, floating feeling to develop in your body and just drop your chin a fraction so you can feel that same looking down sensation you get when you look over a balcony or down 10 steps. Seeing those 10 steps those 10 steps taking you to where you want to go, somewhere relaxing, somewhere calming, seeing these 10 steps right now. And as I count down, just see your feet, hear your feet and feel your feet, treading each and every step as you just go deeper now, moving on to step 10 as each muscle Every nerve in and around your eyes. So just allowing yourself to move deeper, drift deeper. As you move on to step nine, you can see your feet treading each step as you go deeper now. Taking step eight, feeling safe, feeling supported, feeling heard and seen. You can hear your feet making contacts with every step. As you go deeper now, taking step seven, and you can feel your feet treading each step. As you go deeper, move deeper, drift deeper now. Taking step six, as you breathe in. And breathe out onto step five, knowing you're halfway down, just go deeper. Taking step four as each muscle, every nerve is turning loose, letting loose. And you go deeper now, allowing yourself to drift, to float, become lighter and lighter feeling that sense of lightness within your body lightness within your being knowing understanding that it's all one and taking step three going deeper into an awareness of yourself that sense of relaxation developing onto step two going deeper into your own internal state and as you move on to step one right now i'm going to click my fingers and as I click my fingers you'll go deeper drift deeper think deeper and you know that deeper just means going deeper into an awareness of yourself so just go deeper drift deeper sink deeper and I want you to imagine that your eyes are glued shut sealed shut locked together and that this gets to feel so good the harder you try to open your eyes, the more they feel absolutely locked tight. So try to open your eyes, find they're locked shut, go deeper. Try to open your eyes, find they're glued shut, go deeper. Try to open your eyes, find they're fused together, sealed together and go deeper. Deeper, deeper, at least 50 times deeper now, moving down. 
melting down, entering into this space of even deeper relaxation. And I want you to just ask your body in your mind's eye, show me what relaxation feels like. And as your body shows you right now, I just want you to locate the relaxation, starting at the top of your head, moving down, melting down the back of your head, undulating down your spine, moving down, releasing, relaxing and letting go, leaning back and leaning into this sensation of relaxation, allowing it in letting it in, knowing that you are safe and supported in doing so, knowing and understanding that you are creating these sensations within yourself and you have access to these sensations as and when you wish to. And as you relax even more, you understand that understanding is power and understanding in hypnosis is the most liberating, the most freeing and the most extraordinary power and you understand that you have this power this agency and this insight into yourself, into your body, into your being, into your lifetime and as you move down now. We're just going to take you into a really interesting, fascinating part of your body and I just want you to begin to just allow yourself to put a hand just below your belly button. Placing a hand below your belly button should that feel comfortable giving yourself consent if you wish you to do so and just bringing your mind now, turning your eyes inwards and you're just gonna move your focus down the back of your head, down your neck, down your spine, down through your heart space, seeing your heart, seeing this doorway that's positioned at the back of your heart and right now opening this doorway and allowing any emotions, any tensions, any resistance, allowing it all to go and flow and melt out of your heart space, releasing it all, letting it all go, feeling it moving down your spine, out of your body, being absorbed by the ground below you, allowing it all to leave, to absolutely leave your body right now as you close your door space and your heart moving your focus down your spine. And as you move through each and every vertebrae, relax deeper, move deeper, feeling more and more of a sense of connection to your body, to your being. And I want you right now to bring your focus to your womb space, your womb space which is positioned roughly where your hand is. Just allowing yourself to nestle into this space, feeling into that black velvety darkness, feeling that sense of connection to your body, connection to your being, connection to your womb space. And you know and you understand that right now as I'm speaking to you, this is feeling like one great, one brilliant, one fascinating moment of remembrance. You know and you understand how powerful this portal within your body is, how powerful this part of your body is. And it feels so good to bring your focus to this space. And right now you are regenerating reactivating, allowing yourself to really connect in with your womb space, knowing that it is yours to explore. 
Maybe right now you're seeing colors, feeling sensations, or maybe you're feeling nothing at all. But what you know is that your womb space is a part of your core. It is one of the essences of who you are. It always has been and always will be a permanent part of you. And while we've been led to believe that our womb space is simply a place wherein we potentially birth children and where we menstruate from, you know and you understand that this is your creative powerhouse. This is where your intuition sits. Then it feels so good to connect in with this space. And now that you understand this, you are freeing up your mind, freeing up your body and your being to connect in with your womb space, to connect in with the messages and the meaning within your own personal cycle, feeling connected in with your body. And knowing that while we were led to believe that menstruating is simply annoying or in the way or very painful, you know and you understand as you now remember that these are all symptoms and they're a way that our body is trying to communicate with us. Right now we are coding in, we're allowing you to know and understand that your periods are allowed to be painless. You can do the work to relieve this pain, to relieve this pressure, this mental anguish and move your periods towards being an amazing way to connect in with yourself to tune in with this fantastic cycle that grows and flows and undulates with us for so many brilliant years of our lives and you feel so powerful and so empowered in knowing this then right now i want you to bring to mind any emotions that are stored within your womb space on the count of five four three this emotion is becoming clearer too Knowing the emotion is clear within your mind's eye now, on the count of one, identify this emotion. What does it look like? What do its edges look like? What color is it? Seeing and really connecting in with this emotion that's currently presented in your womb space. And right now, identifying what it is that emotion is trying to do for you. What is this emo what is this energy in motion trying to cause, trying to create? What does it want you to know? Tuning in with this sensation, allowing that silence if there is any to be just as powerful as a clear, concise message, knowing that sometimes your body is wanting you to tune in to the silence, to go within, to allow that space of rest. How is your body asking you to rest more? To nourish yourself more like you know that self-care is pretty much not to do with face masks it can be more to do with tuning in with your cyclical being tuning in with the cyclical knowledge tuning in to where you are in your cycle and allowing yourself to create your reality based on where you are nourishing each and every phase of your cycle every spring every summer every autumn and winter, knowing that when that luteal phase does come in with its fire, with its anguish and with its wrath, you allow yourself to honour it and express it, taking these emotions out of your body and into creations, into hitting your pillow, into poetry, into sounds, into movement. You're allowing this luteal phase to become your creative powerhouse. You know that your body is wanting you to move, to express 
and it may be irritating the hell out of you to try and get you there and you're allowed to move it into this place of feeling so connected with your truth so connected with what your body wants to express so connected with what you want to express that the more you connect in with your womb space the more you notice a healing liberating freeing transformation happening inside of you and all around you you're allowed to be friends with your womb space you're allowed to connect and enjoy being in tune with this space and this is how we win you know that learning about how to be cyclical in a way that works for you is where real changes can happen you are allowed big shifts your life is allowed to change you're allowed to be the catalyst who create these changes and right here and right now you're choosing to do this easily and effortlessly. Just taking a breath in. Feeling connected and feeling safe. And when you're looking for that moment of safety, when you're feeling any emotions which may be challenging, you place this hand to your womb space and you tune in. You take those three deep breaths in. You tune in to your womb space and you ask your womb the question. Practicing right now, just bringing a question to your mind, as simple as what do we want to have for lunch? Or what do I need to do or know? Asking that question as you breathe in. And as you breathe out, the answer is there. Being over and around this response, allowing the silence to be just as powerful a response in case that is what you're experiencing knowing that this is a journey, this is a relationship, and this is one that you can nourish, tend to, and care for each and every day, and it just gets better. It just gets richer, it just gets deeper. This womb connection is where we win, is where we get to feel so good, so connected. And the more we connect in with our own cycles, we can connect in with the cycles that really rock through our whole world, the cycles of nature, uh, political cycles, social cycles. It's all mimicking what is originating within our womb space. We are the originals. It's all trying to mimic us, and you have access to this each and every day. Okay, taking that breath in, lock in that sense of connection knowing that this is yours to return to as and where you as and when really honoring yourself taking yourself on this journey this moment of remembrance of reconnection and you're going to allow yourself to know that you can return to this recording as and when you wish thanking emily for being such a beautiful guide and you're just gonna bring your focus towards the backs of your eyes right now. Bring your focus to the backs of your eyes and you're just gonna start to return on the count of five, breathing in and breathing out. And on the count of four, you are slowly calm, easily returning. On the count of three, you're feeling calm and at peace on the count of two feeling so rested connected initiated into the womb connections community 
that really spans our whole world of all of the beautiful womb keepers. And on the count of one, feeling fully aware, feeling wide awake, feeling good about this session, just bring your awareness back and open your eyes. And it's a good note to not make yourself rush. You can just begin to move your head from side to side, bringing back that connection and also tapping both sides of your arms, giving yourself a little butterfly hug, linking up the bilateral sides of our brains, feeling connected. And congratulations, celebrating us all for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. I absolutely enjoyed it. And I hope if you're listening at home, um, you found that as relaxing as I did. Um, and yeah, when I release this episode, if that brought up anything that you'd like to share, please share with Josephine and I on socials. We'd love to hear. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Um, I feel like we covered a lot of ground. And yeah, it's a really refreshing conversation to hear you speak so honestly about turning utter turmoil into something that, you know, you're now doing for your job, which is amazing. So um, congratulations to you. And thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you so much. Bye. Wow, what a way to finish today's show. I hope you enjoyed trying out RTC for yourself. I know I'm really looking forward to delving into it further. If you'd like to find out more, you can find Josephine on her socials at Solace Sisterhood. And you can keep up to date with what I'm up to at Moody Girl Official. Until next time. <laughs>